Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Hello again. Last week, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the anime that we rolled is called Wakure Romanze. Wakure Romanze started as a visual novel that was released in 2011. That was a niroge, which uh, means it largely focuses on adult themes, which is great news for us because uh, if there's one thing that we're lacking on Annie Monday, it's definitely the sexy stuff. <laughs> uh, they described this game as romancing female knights adventure game. Uh, they eventually turned this into a 12-episode anime series in 2013, which was animated by 8-Bit Studios. Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis? Sure thing. Students at the Winford Academy center their lives around the sport of jousting. Takahiro Mizuno used to be one of the most talented knights at the academy, until an injury forced him off the horse and onto the sidelines. Now he will become a big lighter, one who leads other knights to victory. The kind of setup that they give for this show is that there's this weird little modern town. Uh, everything appears to be modern day, except not really. Except everything. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's completely revolves around this medieval times kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And really everything in their town is centered on this jousting tournaments that they have. Yeah, we didn't really see much technology except for one girl with a headset. Yeah. <laughs> everything else, it was it was really hard to tell, actually, because it didn't necessarily look medieval because they a lot of everybody was wearing very modern outfits. But at the same time... We didn't see any technology, almost at all. And uh, in this town, they have uh, people who are considered knights, and they're only really called that because they're professional jousters, for the most part. Uh, in fact, there's an entire school devoted to training people just to joust, mm -hmm. uh, which, right from the get-go, that, that premise is really absurd, uh, <laughs> the more you think about it. Sure. It posed questions to me like, how is there a school that is this large where their entire goal is to train knights to joust. And I think it asks the question, to what end? Right. Um, it seems to be like uh, th this is a full-size school, and it's turning out a bunch of students every year. And, like, how many knights can this town hold? If, if this is the only place where this jousting is happening, mm -hmm. what kind of prospects do these students have? Because it seems like the only thing they were learning is how to be a knight. Yeah. Or how to assist knight. Right. They, from what we could tell, they weren't learning like your average normal skills. They were just learning how to be medieval knights. Yeah. Um, and there's no war going on or no, anything. <laughs> no, it's all for sport. And if it's just this one high school turning out knights, there is not really a marketable uh, skill to learn at this school. Well, they do allude to some big tournament. So maybe there's more schools. I, I took that as being... This school has a big tournament every year, but maybe it does reach out to other parts of the world. I guess because uh, they talked about one of the students. I can't remember which one. One of the students being a transfer student. So I thought maybe maybe there's other schools or at least regions that also are really into jousting. And if if that is true, this opens up <laughs> even more weird things that this is a world where jousting is normal. Sure. And it's the modern day. Yeah. And that's what people do for fun. Yeah. Uh, I would like to talk also about the jousting itself <laughs> because it's garbage and it really ticks me off, kind of. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I 
I cannot understand. Well, maybe we should just get right into it because yeah. it would be hard to explain what bothers us if we don't explain how jousting is really supposed to be. Sure. Yeah, it, it seems like they they didn't go for authenticity here. No. <laughs> uh, they pretty much paid no mind to like authentic jousting, whether that's how they actually did it in medieval times mm-hmm. or how they do it in modern times mm-hmm. for, for show. Mm-hmm. It kind of just does whatever it wants to. Uh, and it kind of feels like they they noticed that there was a lack of anime that revolved <laughs> around jousting. Sure. And they were like, oh, this is this is a good medium that we can use to have this character go after sexy times with these girls. <laughs> uh, so let's throw jousting in there, I guess. Sure. Kayla and I obviously don't know much about jousting. But we do now. <laughs> we did Google a bit. Um, the way that they score matches in this show is completely made up. It, it doesn't match with any other mechanisms that are used for jousting for no reason yeah they like what how hard would it have been to use real jousting rules we (laughs) looked them up in five minutes yeah um there are techniques that they use in the show that are complete bs (laughs) they're just pulled out of thin air yeah uh the armor that they wear is far from being authentic like okay i think we hold on (laughs) i need to talk about the armor for a second okay so The thing we haven't talked about a whole lot is that several of the knights, especially in the series that we encounter, are female. So to accommodate their womanly bodies, uh, some knights, not all of them, to give them some credit, some knights have very extenuated armor that really fits the form of the female body. Um, Why? Why? That seems like so much... One, it seems like it would weaken the armor if I'm if we can just go there. And two, like it seems like it'd be a heck of a lot more work to add like very defined, well, you know, breast pieces. And then some they don't wear pants. None of them do. They don't they don't wear <laughs> pants. Uh-huh. They sit on their horses with skirts. Sorry. We're gonna get into this, I'm sure, at some other point, but that's just uh, yeah, all that to say, like, they did not pay attention to any sort of actual jousting here. This no. is all just a backdrop for something different. Sure. And unfortunately, it's the thing that we see in all these other bad anime that we've watched so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, to talk a little bit about the school and the knighthood there. Mm-hmm. Uh, The school has two main paths that students can take. Uh, One is being a knight and one is the beglider, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, The knight is the one who actually performs the jousting. They mount the horse, they hold the lance, and they charge forward. The beglider kind of prepares their equipment and coaches them during matches and and helps them with training and things like that. Mm -hmm. So from what I can tell, the whole beglider thing is also made up. Really? Yeah. Uh, in fact, beglider is just a German word that means companion. Okay. And nowhere in history have I seen the word beglider used in tandem with jousting. Is it the same as like a page boy? Is that kind of what would be like an assistant to a knight? I'm trying I don't, to... I don't know. Like, this is probably a real role. Yeah. Like, you, you've seen in movies yeah. and things where a jouster has somebody else... Mm-hmm. giving them equipment, yeah. kind of talking them through matches. A page. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the fact that they just pulled this word up because it's <laughs> German and we want our things to sound German. Sure. 
really adds to the <laughs> <laughs> the lack of authenticity here. Sure. It's just adding more crap on top of more crap. It's the illusion of authenticity. Right. Uh, I, I would like to mention the most egregious example that I had. Something more egregious than them wearing skirts on horses? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, go for well, it. Well, this is just like a more specific example of them just pulling things out of nowhere. Okay, fair enough. Let's like, go. there's a reason for them wearing skirts and bad armor. It's because they want to show off the women. Sure, okay. <laughs> but as, in terms of the jousting itself, like, mm -hmm. there is a special move in this show called oh. the feather attack. Oh, my gosh. Which is where the jouster aims for a feather on the opponent's helmet, and they're trying to knock it off of their helmet. Which is required. They're all required to wear a feather they on their are, helmets. They are. But there's no limitations on what kind of helmet they have. Yeah. All of them have different kinds of helmets. Mm -hmm. I specifically saw helmets that had feathers all the way in the back, like pointing <laughs> backwards. Mm -hmm. Not in any position where it would be even remotely possible to hit it. Sure. A and again, nowhere in history have I found anything relating to a feather. No. In the world of jousting. No, because it's stupid. Yeah, and... In the show, it's treated like the kind of golden snitch where you're just an amazing jouster if you can pull off a feather attack and mm -hmm. it's worth all these points and you instantly move ahead. Yeah. And it's repeatedly used as a deus ex machina to kind of just pull characters out of situations or make them look cool or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, I uh, I don't understand the feather thing. I don't know if it was like you can hit the feather without hitting the helmet. I don't know if hitting the helmet is like a illegal move or not but whatever it is it was real dumb yeah my basic understanding from looking things up is that in classic jousting your goal was to knock them off the horse that's yes. that's ultimately what you want to do there was a point in the show in which one of the characters did that they knocked the person off the horse and you and i were both like oh that must mean that they win that's like the thing and they were like oh that doesn't count for or it only counted for like a point and we're like what no isn't isn't the point the horse thing? And then we found that was like shortly before we found out about the feather attack. Oh, gosh. And we were like, no. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And even in modern jousting, like what I've read is that they don't do the horse thing anymore because that's dangerous, sure. obviously. Now the goal is like how squarely can you can you hit the lance on them? Mm. So just kind of a glancing blow where it bounces off, that's mm -hmm. worth a certain number of points. Mm -hmm. And it's worth more if you hit them dead on and it, it breaks the lance. Sure. So, like, it's real simple scoring. Yeah. And the things that they just made up to <laughs> just throw fluff into this show is really annoying. Which is funny because jousting is a very invigorating sport. If you watch it, there's a lot of tension and, like, it's kind of scary because, like... Somebody could die, you know, and they <laughs> they added all these weird rules for flair, but for no reason. Well, that's a that's about what I have to say about the plot. Uh, do you want to talk at all about the characters? Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Sure, we can. So the main character is Takahiro. He's he's kind of this classic character we've talked before in other shows, uh, especially in the harem genre. Is he's supposedly amazing. And what he does, but we have no evidence of that because when we come into the show, he's already been injured. Um, so he's already on the sidelines. And at this point, too, he has not decided to align with a knight. Um, several knights, female, are asking to have him be their assistant. And he 
just kind of dodges it. He never actually says no. He's just sort of like, I haven't made up my mind. And we don't we don't really see how he's supposed to be like the most talented knight that was at the school. We only know it because literally everyone tells us. Yeah, and then um, not too long into the show, a character named Mio is introduced. Um, and she is kind of the counterpart to him uh, in terms of being one of the main characters. Uh, she is also on the Beglider track, and uh, she kind of presents herself as super ditzy, not really great at the jousting or being a Beglider or anything at the school, mm-hmm. uh, not really interested in, in the sport all that much. She has the classic ahoge. She does. And at the very beginning of the show, what happens is that a horse gets loose and it starts chasing her down and Takahiro eventually tracks it down and makes it calm down. And the same thing happens later, except uh, the horse starts chasing someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, this girl, Mio, is the one who goes to it and stops it, mm-hmm. uh, just like Takahiro did for her. Yeah. Um, and what happens from that is that <laughs> this, uh, this horse is chasing down this real obnoxious girl named Bertil, who then gets real mad at Mio for some reason, as if it's her fault. That the horse, like, was biting her clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And complaining that it was so embarrassing and this mm-hmm. is the worst thing. And then challenges Mio to a duel. Because she, like, assumed that Mio had to be a knight because she knows how to work with this one particular horse. Which was very confusing because none of the knights actually work with the horses. Right. Only the big lighters do. She was also wearing a helmet at the time. Oh, that's right. She had the helmet. Which, that's why, I that's why the, the, helmet. the character got confused thinking she was a knight. Ah, and I guess, like, the sign that you want to duel someone is you throw a, a, a glove at them, and Mio picks up the glove, and that means you accept my challenge. I feel like I have heard this before, though. I've heard something along those lines, mm-hmm. but we also remarked at the time we were watching this, like, Mio should know that, too. Yes. Like, the whole school should know <laughs> this means she wants to duel you. Yeah. Don't pick that up if you don't want to duel. Yeah. Uh, but she does because mm-hmm. she's a ditz, I suppose. Yeah. And um, you would think the result of this would be like them saying, oh, you're actually not a knight. You have never jousted before in your life. Mm-hmm. So this is an invalid joust yeah. duel request. Mm-hmm. But they go to the student council and the council is like, nah, it's legit. You have to accept the challenge anyway. But they know. They know that she's not a knight. Right. Because she's at their school. That Yeah, I couldn't understand how it was valid. And this this whole thing of like them trying to, to say, you know, knights have honor and you have to you have to preserve their honor. And that's mm-hmm. what knights do. And mm-hmm. But again, this is a modern town. <laughs> And this is a student council. Yeah. <laughs> it's not knights. No, yeah. There's no reason for any of this. Sure. It's really <laughs> incoherent how how loose the rules are here. <laughs> but as a result of this, uh, Takahiro trains her and she works like really hard to prepare for that match mm-hmm. and ends up being pretty good at it. Yeah. In a very short amount of time. Uh, it's actually funny because Takahiro gives up on her on like the first day. Yeah. <laughs> you, like you said, train, but actually a, a different girl from the school comes in and is like, hey, I'm going to help you do this because I believe in you for some reason. Also, there were a lot of sexual innuendos between her and the other girl. So I'm sure that was most of the reason. But Takahiro kind of just watches from the sideline and is like, yeah, I guess I mean, I'll, I'll be her like assistant during the, the joust, but I haven't actually taken her on or anything. But 
it seems like it's only in the course of a week. It seemed like that was how long she that had to train. Sounded like the time frame to me. Yeah. Um, so in a week, going from having never ridden a horse before to competing in a joust, she actually figures it out. She figures out how to hold the lance, how to how to ride a horse, right? How to ride a horse and hold a lance and hit somebody with the lance in a week while also attending school. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so. She wins this match against Bertil, who is, okay, they say this all the time, Mm -hmm. but she's like the top ranked and she's a a high contender for winning the tournament this year. Mm -hmm. But they said that about like a dozen different people. Yeah. Every girl that we encountered, they were, you know, up up for being the top person to win Uh the tournament that year. And when they show these classrooms, like those were the only people in there. Yeah. (laughs) So it was literally saying all of you are the best. You're yeah. so great. <laughs> it's basically like if you were more than just a first year student, uh-huh. you were probably going to be highly ranked and likely to do well in a tournament. Yeah, except then they introduce a first year character who's mm-hmm. like crazy good. Yeah, the prodigy. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the prodigy. Um, this show has tropes galore. Y'all. Oh, for sure. I don't really have any other characters to touch on except to say that there's uh, we got introduced to Celia, who mm-hmm. is the student council president, mm-hmm. super popular, mm-hmm. top ranked, supposed to win the tournament this year. Mm-hmm. And then there's Lisa, who is the, the mysterious black knight, who mm-hmm. is the first year student we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there's, then other girls. Yeah, there's a couple other and none of them seem to be important, important at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really just Takahiro and Mio. Yeah. Yeah, character-wise, there's not really a whole lot distinguishing them. It's it's kind of seen in, like, their armor, which is kind of interesting. All of their armor is pretty different from each other's. Sometimes it's used to sexualize them, which is weird because who would have thought armor could be sexy? But somehow it, it happened. But there was one girl in particular... Uh, Akane, I think she had like the samurai looking armor, which was yeah. really cool, uh, which seemed like a really cool blend of like, let's blend samurai and and jousting. And that was, you know, something I wanted to see more of. But that's a show I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, um, yeah, their personalities are pretty cut and paste. You know, you find a, a classic anime generic tropey character. And it's in here. Yeah. It seems they almost put more personality in the horse that they ride. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have any uh, thoughts on the animation quality and the presentation of the show? I have to I have to give this show some props. Um, there are a lot of horses in this show. I cannot imagine that drawing horses is easy, especially with how many shows that we've seen that struggle to just get the proportions of humans Correct. (laughs) Yeah. To get a horse to not only look like an actual horse, it it didn't it didn't look like especially animated or cutesy or anything. It looks like a real horse. It moved like a horse. It ran like a horse. Um, The proportion, like the height proportion of these horses to people looked right. I, I was actually really impressed with that because I imagine it's really hard. It's probably not something you have to draw very much in anime. At least not that I've had to see. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of, it's it's a struggle between drawing something very, very real and making it look realistic in an animated setting. So I, that, that is something I have to give major props for because I 
was a little worried at first when I saw like a couple couple little frames that I was like, ooh, ooh, what is happening with this horse? <laughs> um, but overall, it, it was it stayed really consistent and it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and um, there's a show we've seen called Chirobako uh, mm-hmm. that's about the anime industry and like what it takes to run an animation studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I believe there's a scene in that show somewhere towards the middle where one of the younger animators has to draw a horse for the show yeah. and is like, I can't. I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to do this. And she has to go to this older animator who has more experience in, mm-hmm. in animals to, mm-hmm. to learn that. And they're constantly learning and, and growing as animators. Yeah, um, and if you've ever, um, like watch the behind the scenes of certain animation movies like I've watched a lot of behind the scenes of like how they make Disney movies they will bring live animals into like animation studios to let the animators like study how they move and how they interact and so I imagine getting to know like a horse well enough to draw it so consistently is it's it's a pretty impressive skill yeah uh, I wouldn't say that I was overall impressed with the horses. Um, maybe I've seen more anime that has horses or something. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I actually wrote down the same thing in my notes of like, I'm not presuming that these are bad animators yeah. because <laughs> uh, we probably haven't talked about this on the show before, but the animation industry in Japan is actually pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of studios are under huge time crunches Mm-hmm. Very low budgets, mm-hmm. uh, overworked employees, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I don't presume to say that like they had this infinite budget and time to work, and they <laughs> yeah. should have had perfect horses. Sure. So yeah, it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Uh, looked stilted and and rough at points, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I agree that for the most part they did a, a great job with what they had available. Now that being said, they did weird things with the horse, which is. Every time that they were talking around a horse, it would whinny. Like, almost as a punctuation to what uh-huh. they were saying. I, I'm not guessing that they've been around very many horses. Sure, Horses, at least in my personal experience, um, don't whinny that often. Yeah. Not unless you're upsetting the horse. Um, they don't just, like, hang out in their stall and, like, whinny as you're, like, having conversations. Maybe that's my personal experience, but I've been around a... A fair amount of horses, so. Yeah, so this is this is a weird thing about the film industry in general. When I took sound for film courses in school, mm-hmm. um, one of the first things we learned was if there is something on screen, it has to make a sound. Oh, interesting. And if you pay attention to movies and TV shows, this is always the case. Hmm. So if you think about classic things like there's a whole pile of mice or rats or something mm-hmm. in a group and they're scurrying around. Mm-hmm. Mice do not make a sound. No, they don't. They don't squeak. No. In fact, uh, one of the old tricks that they they used on these is those rat sounds are actually uh, a chicken coop sped up a whole bunch so that it sounds higher pitched. Oh, that's funny. Um, So it's not unusual for me to see like, oh, there's a horse. It has to make a sound. Oh, okay. Well, see, now that makes sense. And I I wasn't aware of that, of that kind of rule of thumb. Yeah, when it gets to be more realistic, sometimes it, it feels like you're not really watching a movie. You're, you're watching some soap opera or something. But maybe it didn't have to be a whinny each time. Sure. It could have been other noises yeah, that yeah. horses also make, like that like blowing air out their yeah. snout sort of yep, thing. Yeah, for sure. 
I know we had some thoughts on the character designs. Do you want to say anything about that? So many things. I want to say so many things. All right. First off, like any good harem show, the the majority of the girls are disproportionate in their body sizes. They're very, very thin. They're very chest heavy. And that's, that's probably about the extent of what they look like. And it's actually kind of frustrating because they are in a sport that requires a lot of strength. If you have ever ridden a horse, um, you know it requires a whole lot of abs and lower legs to, you know, keep yourself up on the horse. And I imagine a lance is not very light, so they should be, like, not these thin, fragile-looking girls. They should be, you know, strong. They And I'm... I don't mean to, like, take away the fr- from their femininity, but, like, you know, give the girls some muscles. They are strong girls. <laughs> um, no. No, none of that. Yeah, and, and aside from that, they, they're just kind of filling the generic tropes of mm-hmm. the pink hair, the blue hair, the kind of downcast, dark-haired girl. and mm-hmm. the. Uh, in fact, one thing that happens <laughs> is um, Mio, mm-hmm. when she is doing all of this training to prepare for the match, mm-hmm. she goes from uh, her normal look, which is very long, flowing pink hair, yep. to a very short cut. Mm-hmm. And in cutting her hair, she cut out her ahoge. Yes. Uh, which made a slight difference in her character development. Like, she did act a little less ditzy, and she acted, like, very sure of herself in a way that she hadn't before um, but we didn't get to see enough of that to really see that big transition in her personality. Um, it just sort of felt like, oh, look, she got a haircut. Which hopefully that does progress more. Yeah. Uh, because the idea of like her literally cutting the stupid out of herself would be pretty interesting. Yeah. It's a it's a great symbolic way to show growth in a short amount of time. Yeah. But uh, they, they didn't provide any reason for that. No. <laughs> she was just like looking at herself in the mirror and was like, I want to change something. And so she showed up the next day and her hair was short. Yeah. And that was it. Yep. (laughs) That's the only explanation we got. And then nothing afterwards. Like then she just had short hair, which was funny because in the beginning of the animation, in the intro video, they show her with short hair. Mm -hmm. But we We, didn't recognize her. We were like, is that a different girl? Yes. That was also amplified by the fact that there are two girls that have the exact same hair hairstyle uh-huh. they look the exact same do you want to talk about <laughs> about them a little bit okay uh <laughs> this is one of my favorite anime trope girls <laughs> it is the croissant haired blonde mm-hmm. uh and that is to say like they have long blonde hair mm-hmm. and it at the at the ends it curls into what literally looks like a croissant roll yeah a crescent roll mm-hmm. these girls typically also have the same exact personality which mm-hmm. is their really kind of pushy and uh, hot-headed and they have this characteristic laugh that they do which is the best (laughs) Mm -hmm. where uh, they like put their hand to the side of their mouth where you can't see their mouth and Mm -hmm. and then they do this hysterical sort of laugh are you gonna drop it in Uh, i might yeah okay good um yeah <laughs> this is this is a really common uh Colin does love this uh a lot 
Yeah, the, the case I'm most familiar with is a character in the recent Street Fighter games, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> whenever they play her at a tournament mm-hmm. and they do that super move, everybody in the entire crowd starts doing the laugh. <laughs> so uh, the point that I wanted to make about these girls is that they look identical. They have the same hairstyle and everything. The difference is one of them wears the back of their hair up in kind of like a braided bun sort of thing. And the other girl wears her hair down. Both of them have the crescent rolls up in the front. They're both blonde hair. They're both drawn with the same body proportions. They pretty much look the same. Except I did notice one of them parts their hair to the right and the other one parts their bangs to the left. And that's (laughs) pretty much the only difference except in their personalities. One follows the classic trope that you were just talking about. And the other one is the student council president. So she follows that sort of, you know, um, very serious and hardworking kind of extra talented uh, trope. So it it actually made it hard to tell some of these girls apart because they literally looked so similar. So when we saw a girl with short pink hair in the intro, we just assumed it was a different character. A very similar looking person. Yep. Yeah. So that's something that was kind of frustrating. We've talked about this before. If you're going to have so many main characters that we're supposed to keep track of, it's important that you make them distinguishable. Um, There was a point with the crescent-haired girls that I got confused and didn't realize for a long time that they were different characters until we encountered a different scene where they were talking about one of the crescent-haired girls was talking about the other one. And I was like, wait, what? What? They're not the same? What? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we had to go back a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, no, they're actually different girls. But that's that's how similar they were. And it was that hard to tell apart until until we finally saw their personalities really diverge from each other. But, man, that just makes it hard to get engaged with the characters when you can't even tell them apart. Yeah. And they're not related or anything. So they're not supposed to. No resemble each other yeah and from what i can tell like one of these characters was kind of a throwaway character that's bertil Mm -hmm. who uh challenges mio to the duel Mm -hmm. and as far as i can tell from looking at plot details from later on Mm -hmm. she doesn't even show up after this (laughs) like that's it of course so they just threw this character in to confuse you yeah and then they're gonna pull back and now the student council president's gonna be more prevalent sure Uh, To briefly touch on the music, uh, this is kind of your general case of it's not real interesting or memorable. Mm -mm. Uh, There was typically just like dramatic solo piano throughout Mm -hmm. scenes, uh, Mm -hmm. which didn't really add anything. But there was one scene (laughs) where all of a sudden they brought in this weird carnival music. And I commented during it, I was like, where is this coming from? What is this crazy thing? They clearly don't understand what the medieval times are. I know. Just driving home the point that, like, they have no idea what jousting is. Yeah. And that was something, you know, we've talked about, we talked about this in a show a couple of weeks is there could be era appropriate music. And even if 
Now, to be fair, we weren't 100% sure what time period or if this is an alternate reality where it's just kind of both. But either way, um, they could have modernized some like medieval music to make a statement about this show or just even if they had just thrown in medieval music, it, it would have worked. But no. No, it's like they went to their local Renaissance fair and they're like, that seems replicable. Like, I'll try that. And then they just totally missed it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any general likes or dislikes about the show? I would say that one of my biggest uh, dislikes overall is kind of what we've talked about already, which is the lack of adherence to any real historical authenticity. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that immediately turns me off of being interested in this. I, I, I really hate the idea that this show just kind of picked an unusual topic, mm-hmm. which is to say, hey, there's no other anime about jousting or no other visual novel that focuses on jousting. Yeah. So let's pick that. Mm-hmm. And and then not only did they just pick that up and, and throw it away, but they made up all the stuff around it. Yeah. Uh, so that the context that they use doesn't build anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Jousting is really just the cheap backdrop that they use for this guy to hit on pretty anime girls. Yep. And speaking of that specifically, uh, the sexual innuendo in this show is quite bad. I don't even know at this point if we can call it innuendo. I mean, it's not subtle at all. Like, there's definitely times where they purposely lead you to believe that something is happening only to... Be like, haha, not really, you know, the classic bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it made it so intolerable. Yeah, uh, we've really only seen one other case of this kind of scene, and that was in Monster Musume. Mm-hmm. But that was really one scene. Yeah. This happened multiple times per episode. Yep. Yeah, doing weird stuff like putting on armor or stretching. Like, they just, everything. Yeah, and and that on top of the more outright stuff that we are familiar with, like the boob grabs and the awkward, uh, you know, like trip and fall on top of each other, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff was happening in tandem with the the innuendo. Yep. Yep. This show, from what I've seen, could probably be considered etchy, which is pretty much that. Yeah. Uh, I think for me... um... (laughs) Uh, I'm definitely in total agreement with you, so I'm not even going to just pile more onto that. It's just all of that. Um, I I think the part for me that was also really frustrating is uh, I got really excited when we were discovering that all the knights were females um, because it seemed like, oh, wow, they're putting, like, women in the powerful position and then, like, men are being put into, like, the serving role. Um, and then we found out that it's it's just equal. It's both men and women can be knights, and both men and women can be the um, beg lighters. And we're like, okay, that's cool. Like, it's all very equal, and there's this distribution with genders, and, and that was kind of neat. Until we encounter this main character and the way that he interacts with all the females And it's basically because he was this amazing knight, supposedly, um, all the credit that Mio should have gotten for her win and all the training that she did goes to Takahiro. In fact, everyone is just like, oh, look at how amazing Takahiro is because Mio won the joust in like a week when she shouldn't have. 
and they praise him for it. And there's even a point in which in the middle of her joust where he's giving her his job is supposed to be like, hey, I noticed this thing about your your opponent. So you should try this. Um, That's like part of their job is to like uh, give them tactical advice. And he gives her advice that fails because she just learned how to joust (laughs) that week. And he is just like, ugh, like, I shouldn't have assumed that you, like, could have done this because you're just not as talented as I am. So you should do this other thing. And she does win. And then they're like, you're so amazing, Takahiro. Look what you did. And nobody praises Mio at all. And that was really frustrating because it was like, you just, you took away any semblance of empowerment for these women. And that is constantly his interaction is that even though there's all these talented women around him, it's it's all about him and his talent, even though we haven't seen that he has any. Pretty much the whole show leading up to Mio's match, uh, they have treated knights as like the honorable ones, the talented ones, the ones with the coveted titles. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to be a knight, and if they weren't good enough to be a knight, they had to be a beg lighter. Yes. Until that match comes along, And suddenly the handlers are the ones who are winning the jousting matches Mm -hmm. uh, because Takahiro is so good at that that Mm -hmm. he's the one who made Mio win. Right. And I think that's just as bad as if the knights were all dudes and the girls had to serve them and and help help them. Yeah. I was telling Kayla about uh, I think there was uh, an Olympic event recently Mm -hmm. in the last few years at least where um, this woman had just won a track event Mm -hmm. and the camera like zooms in on this person's trainer, which is a dude. And the announcer is like, and there's the man who made it all happen. Uh, Her trainer who put all this effort into helping her win this. And uh, people were like, "Uh, no, she won it. The trainer was literally paid to help her do it, but she did it. She (laughs) just won. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's very similar to this. It is. Yeah. And I would be curious to know if it would work the other way around. Like if if the beg lighter was the was a female and the knight was a male, would they have the same interaction? And would it would they still give credit to the beg lighter or would they give credit to the knight because of of him being a male? Either way, I didn't like it. So would you watch any more of this? No. Now, the the pacing in this show seemed really odd, which is something we hadn't talked about yet. Um, the first few episodes focus on um, Mio getting drug into this uh, to this jousting match, training for the jousting match, and then winning the match. And that was pretty much the first four episodes of the show that we watched. And there could have been a lot of tension built up in that. Um, But it happens so fast that you're just sort of like, I don't know, I guess maybe it's not that hard to learn how to joust. If if the, you know, Aho gay girl can do it, then why couldn't anyone? And there were no stakes associated with this at all Um, other than like, I don't know, maybe I guess you could die. But it doesn't really seem like that happens very much in this world. Nobody mentions it other than the main guy getting hurt. There was no stakes. She wasn't going to like get kicked out of school or... Or anything, you know, she just had to go in, you know, for honor. And and it just, it was really hard to get into because it tried to force all this tension, like, to make you care about the character. But it happened so fast that you just couldn't get involved. And then it's 
constantly interrupted with all these really egregious sexy time scenes that I, I just I could not stomach it. So no, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I would agree. Um based on how just trashy the world building is and the characters being so uninteresting on top of all that, you know, bad harem stuff that <laughs> we're uh, we're getting a lot of recently. Yeah. Uh, not for me, for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that does it for this week. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions or comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username is AnnaMondayCast, and you can find links for that on our website. And uh, thanks to everyone who is listening. Like, we haven't really said that uh, since we started, but those of you who are listening and uh, tuning in and sharing us, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, it means so much when um, when people tell us that they liked a show or they thought something was funny. It always, it always makes my day. Yeah. Uh, if you are subscribed to us, uh, head over to iTunes and Google Play and all those places. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. That would be awesome. Yeah. Thanks also to Crunchyroll for the nearly infinite repository of anime that you've provided and for the random button which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. If you want to follow along with us each week, we'll have a link to the current title on our website and social media. And then you can watch what we're watching. Thanks also to C2A for providing the intro and outro music, which come from his Senpai EPs. You can find his music on Bandcamp and other major streaming services like Spotify. I'll provide links to him in the show notes and on our website. Colin, are you ready to roll? I think so. And here we go. Random button in three, two, one. All right. And the anime for this week is ZX Ignition. (laughs) And the first episode is called Phase One. (laughs) What are these characters? I'm not sure. Well... We'll find out. Yep. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. to do dinner real soon. (laughs) I can smell it. (laughs) Mm